if it smells like shit, you are in the right place. You are listening to the Progwackers, hosted by David and Craig. Enjoy. Hey, man. Hey, what's going on? Uh, just having too much fun with these sound effects. <laughs> Get one boob massaged and the other one's free. <laughs> uh, I love it. So good. Uh, it is good. I think we finally, uh, it, it, first three to four episodes, we've been back and forth on how to get our audio set up the right way and, you know, sounding good and a high quality on the final product. And, um, I think we finally got it. So, yeah, I hope so. I think it sounded pretty good. We've done like a hundred test recordings. So hopefully we've resolved that and figured something out here. Yeah. Maybe we should have uh, threw all those test recordings out so everybody could feel our pain and misery as we uh, go through the final configuration. Yeah, how not to podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't do what these dumbasses do. That's right. (laughs) All this hard work and long-suffering just for these things like this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Only for uh, Google Play to say... Did you really mean welcome to Pudwhackers, you sons of bitches? <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, so a couple days ago, <clears throat> we switched platforms where we were hosting uh, our feed from, and it says it pushes it out everywhere. And so I finally get it pushed out to iTunes, and it duplicated our stream, so I had to go out and fix that. And so after I did that, um, I went and checked out the Google Play Store to see if it was there. Um, not that... I don't think they're really high volume for podcasts anyhow, but I go out and check it out and I type in podwhackers and then it says, did you mean pudwhackers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I appreciate the fact that Google knows what a pudwhacker is, but yet they soon should hopefully know what a podwhacker is. That's right. That's right. We should be the number one search. When you search for pudwhackers, it should correct you to podwhackers. <laughs> Uh, oh, they'll get that AI right at some point. That's right. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. But um, anyway, what's been going on, man? Anything good? No, just same shit, different day, basically. Um, did finally finish up my yard work. I've been working on for two weeks now, so I got just a little bit more to do, but um, I'm over the hump, thank God. Oh, yeah, I'm jealous because I haven't even gotten mulch yet. Yeah, I put down, um, unfortunately, eight yards of mulch, and I probably have two more to to finish off a small area and uh, touch everything up. So, How much mulch do you need? (laughs) We have a lot of flower beds. Holy shit. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm thinking 10 for my house. You've been to my house. I haven't been to your house. How... How does that compare flower bed wise? You remember? Um, it's it's probably roughly the same. I, I mean, I think ours are probably dimensionally they're probably wider, but they're definitely not longer because I mean, we have a on on paperwork with the uh, Ashland County Tax Office. We have a fourteen hundred square foot ranch, but we also have. A full finished basement. So technically speaking, it's twenty eight hundred foot house, but you know, right. yep. foot, the footprint's only fourteen hundred. And I actually 
being the dork that I am, went out and measured the, the actual square footage of my flower beds and had <laughs> hundred square feet of flower beds. Oh my god! Okay, yep, fourteen square foot house. Holy <laughs> shit, dude! That's insane. Yeah, big yard, little house, and it's it's a lot of work, but and I, I think my wife's happy because the backyard we've kind of neglected because we don't we don't have a lot of people over because we're pretty busy with the kids and my wife's busy with work and school and you know we don't do a lot of outdoor entertaining and having people over but this is actually the first year that i've got the backyard you know almost completely finished and mulched i've never really touched it before so yeah that's kind of how like last year we moved into a new house and so when we moved in we had a ton of inside work we were doing a lot of painting and just you know bringing in new furniture and you know that whole thing decorating and all that crap and unpacking obviously so by the time we got in here it was about this time actually i think i just hit the one year mark in my house um so the lady that lived here before didn't really do a whole lot to the yard besides mow it and so like the flower pits started getting some weeds and whatever and we just mm-hmm. never made it out there to really like weed this place and it it requires like constant attention it's it's huge there's like so so many weeds and just like a lot of flower beds and stuff mm-hmm. so we neglected it all season and then we let it go so long they were like so big i was and we don't spray any chemicals or anything in our yard so like we don't put any roundup down like i'll make a homemade vinegar salt and soap solution which works pretty well until your weeds are like three feet tall then it does nothing. So I bought a, uh, I bought a torch. So you hook it up to the propane tank and go out there and just blow away the weeds and catch them on fire. But, but then I started getting concerned that everything was too close to the house and it was too tall and dry that it would just light my house on fire. So I decided it wasn't a great idea to run that this season. (laughs) Well, it was, it was last year and you know, it was really hot and everything started getting dry. So I was really concerned about it, but I started out, I used it again this year after I I went through, I took a shovel to all my flower beds. That's how bad they were. Like I literally had to shovel out all the weeds. You couldn't just hand pick them. You would never have gotten any of the roots out. So I hand picked, I hand picked some and then I get the shovel out, shovel all my weeds. And then they started coming back up like in full force. I have like on one side of my house, it's just like a ton of thistles were growing. And oh, yeah. so I went back over there and just hit them with the blowtorch and mm. smoked them. They're gone. So that was pretty sweet. Holy um, cow. You, you have to tell me how you made the torch. <laughs> oh, I, Harbor Freight, they have a, a propane torch. So you buy this. It's just like a hose with like this long metal thing on the end. And you just literally screw it into your propane tank. And turn on your propane, and then on the end of the torch, you have a knob to control how much comes out, and then you have like a grill igniter on it, and you're off. So, holy crap! Yeah, so I was out there just torching weeds. My neighbors probably think I'm nuts. Um, I'm out there, you know. I, I I did like a whole entire flower beds worth and torched them because I didn't have any more vinegar. You got to buy the twenty percent stuff, and. Mm-hmm. I ordered it on Amazon and surprise Amazon's late getting me stuff again. So I didn't have any, but the weeds were growing and it's like, we're trying to get ahead of it. So I got to get them. So I went out there and torched the shit out of a bunch of weeds and they're now, they're now gone. They went to weed, weed heaven. I'm going to get in that. uh, I'm going to have to go to Harbor Freight and 
get one of those flamethrowers. Oh. Not to burn weeds, but I'll find some kind of creative use for it. <laughs> Start fires in your backyard fire pit? Hell yeah. yeah. Or in the house in the chimney. Just turn it down a little bit. <laughs> But unsafe, but it's always a pain in the ass starting a fire in the fireplace. That's right. I actually found a method online for that that was like amazingly efficient and required little to no attention once you got it running, which was great because I would start fires. I'm no Boy Scout, so it would always take me forever. I suck at it. Um, but you start if you stack your wood like like say you've got uh, like four logs and you stack them like straight. Mm-hmm. you know with the fireplace you stack them like a couple inches apart and then you do crisscross pattern you know make you know like right. a waffle pattern all the way up to the top and then as you get closer to the top you go from really big logs on the bottom all the way up to tiny ones at the top to your you put your uh, kindling and your tinder up at the top and then once you light it up top and get it going really good it'll just start falling down and catching everything else on fire on its way down and it just it's like a slow burn and then it just keeps feeding itself for hours so you could get two to three hours burn time, you know, depending how big your fireplace is. You get about, I, I think at one point I got three hours of burn time with all my logs in there without actually having to touch it once it got going. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I've, I've learned along over the years that you just got to make sure you got plenty of air supply in the center of the, the however you stack your logs. Well, yeah, you also have to clean out your uh, your ashes. Like I think that's something other people don't really do that much but you got to really if you i've noticed like if i let them go too long without cleaning them out then my airflow sucks and then my fires are really hard to start yeah think we don't have a very big fireplace in our house but thankfully it's it was built with easy cleanup in mind we have a little little door that opens up if you hit it with the little um fire fire hook or whatever the utensil is but oh yeah you can sweep all the ashes down and then it goes into a trap in the basement where I can clean it out downstairs in the storage room then. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't have that. My fireplace isn't that big. We have a, it's, it's on a whole wall by itself and it's all brick, but like the actual fireplace is, I don't think it's that big. It's just a normal size fireplace. Yeah. Same as ours. It's just whoever built it, they, they put that trap door in. Thank God. That was smart. Yeah. I have to manually like sweep mine out into like a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. And I go get rid of them, but yeah, life in Ohio found, in the winter time. Yeah, I found a quick way to start a fire. It's not advisable, but after January and your Christmas tree is sitting outside, getting all nice <laughs> brown, flip a couple branches off each time you want to start a fire and get those in the middle of where your air pocket is, and poof, that some bitch will go right up. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> just don't want to put too much in there because pine needles, it's almost like it's an explosive reaction. It's, it's it actually not smart, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you just have to be really careful with what you use. I mean, you can, you can get away with it if you're careful. Starting open fires in your house by Craig. <laughs> That's right. I should, I should start up that as a tutorial on YouTube or something. Yeah. You know, you know what we're missing. I'm just noticing is the uh, fire sound effect from Beavis and Butthead. Oh damn it! <laughs> so I've got a bunch of them in there, but I didn't get that one. I know. I, uh... I'm a dumbass. Yeah. I, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> I went over there to look for it, and it wasn't there. That would have been good timing. I'll have to find a better source, because I think the when Beavis was yelling fire on the one clip that I had, you could hear a bunch of other background noise, so it kind of washed it out. So I need to find a better source for that one. Yeah, yeah. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? That's what everyone's <laughs> thinking. <laughs> yeah. I got you a father right here. <laughs> I got your daddy. Coral. <laughs> uh, uh, I love Aqua Teen. It's some good shit. So, uh, you saw the Cavs, uh, Cavs made the sweep of the, uh, the dinosaurs. I did. Yeah. I'm, um, super happy about that, especially after game one and Drake was out there being a, being a dumbass mouthing off. I think it was Kendrick Perkins, right? On the, on the bench and walking out on the floor and making an ass of himself. Oh, I know. I don't understand why he's allowed to get up and do that stuff. Like that's <clears throat> to me, that's really annoying, and it takes away from yeah. the game. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge distraction. It has to be a distraction even for the Raptors because they're you know they're going to be over here looking at this dumbass you know walking out on the floor making a fool of himself. And um, I actually did a little bit of research and tried to figure out if he was a minority owner or something to that effect. But no, I don't think so. I, Nothing that I could find indicated that. I mean, the Raptors are part of a bigger um, sports ownership program in Toronto. So, yeah, and the and I believe I don't know for sure, but I saw a story that he was then in line for Cavaliers season tickets to to buy playoff tickets. Um, yeah, <laughs> right after the, the Raptors lost. Yeah, I would deny that because he's an idiot, and I mean, there's there's somebody else that's going to step in and take a playoff season ticket off that guy's hands <laughs> yeah right don't need your money ass wipe yeah i mean that series was pretty awesome though i mean when you go back and look at all those games individually and what lebron did was fantastic he was just uh yeah. he was incredible he, yeah <laughs> have they announced the mvp for the the season yet or do they do that after the championship is over? I don't remember. Uh, I honestly don't remember uh, when they actually announce it, but it won't be LeBron because I don't really know why. Yeah. Because all the Jordan lovers won't vote for him? I think it's Le- <laughs> LeBron fatigue. Just everyone knows he's the best player, so let's give it to somebody else, which makes no sense because it's supposed to be the most valuable player. Literally, like the Cavs do not even they don't even sniff the playoffs without him, and then and then <laughs> they go to the Eastern Conference Finals with him. So, I mean, you tell me, like, is James Harden that valuable on the Rockets, or you know, is Steph that valuable, or is Durant that valuable? I don't think so. I really don't. Yeah, Durant's only valuable if Steph's playing. I mean. They showed some pretty crazy stats around um, the Warriors. I think Curry missed, what, the last 25 games? Or he didn't play in 25 days or something like that, but whatever. But, but I mean, I, I think the Warriors coming into this playoffs, they weren't the number one seed the Houston Rockets are. So, Yeah, you could say the same thing about the Cavs in a way, too, because the Cavs are like a fourth seed, I think, or fifth seed. And mm-hmm. they just swept the number one seed. But... LeBron right. knows how to rest while playing. Like he did play all 82 games for the first time in his career, but at the same time, 
you know, he knows he'll take nights off because um, he, he knows the regular season is really not that important. He's not that worried yeah. about it. And actually, I think the Cavs are at their best when they are the away team, you know, to start a series. Because every time I feel like they start at the queue for a game one, they just they fold for some weird reason. Um, the expectation is there that they're going to win because they're at home. Yeah, and like they let the pressure build, and then like they're not their number one seed or number two seed, and like everyone's like, "Oh, the Cavs, the Cavs, the Cavs," and then they come out and like lay an egg at home for game one, almost always. So I always like when they open up on the road, but maybe that's just my fandom. Yeah, and I, I've I've talked to some guys at work about this, and I I wondered if some of those games during the regular season, LeBron didn't sandbag a little bit because he didn't want to come in as number one seed in the playoffs just, just to take some of that pressure off the rest of the guys. Because, I mean, it's almost a completely different squad from last year. You know, other than Love and JR. Um, Tristan. Tristan's there too. But, I mean, he's he's day and night. Some days he's good, some days he's bad. I think it just depends on what Instagram model he's banging. But... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, when when he's good, he's really good. Yeah, but it it also comes from his matchups good. too. And Kevin Love does the same thing. Where like some some weeks he's like he's just on it for like a week straight, and then the next week he's like just some guy. Like he's awful, like out of nowhere. And he always takes the blame for a lot of stuff. But I mean, he right. he does play inconsistent. So he he played great last series, and they got a sweep out of it. Mm-hmm. Swept the number one seed out of the playoffs before the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in history. That's never happened before. Right. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's pretty awesome. And I I don't know if they're going to sweep the Celtics because the Celtics are super hot, but I, I almost wish we could see a seven-game series out of Boston with Kyrie playing because that would be the ultimate, you know, slam your dick in the door. <laughs> I think Kyrie Boston would beat us with Kyrie, though. Yeah. I could see that side of it too, but it would be it would be entertaining. Yeah, it would be sweet justice if we could beat him with Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, I still, I mean, I could see them beating us still because I mean, LeBron had to put up forty point nights, you know, pretty much every game he's played in the playoffs so far, and yeah. that's barely getting us wins. You know, barely. <laughs> he's making two game winners in one series. <laughs> I mean, he's it, ridiculous. I've watched a couple of the Boston games, too, just to see what, you know, down the stretch, if we ended up playing them, what the competition was going to be like. And I think Boston's got way more energy even than the Pacers had. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, they're good. They're a good team, and, and their coach is really good. And they'll give us a run for our money if they don't beat I mean, they they could beat us. I, I'm 50-50 on the series, to be honest with you, because I just don't trust that the Cavs will put it all together. Should they win on paper? Yeah, they should, absolutely. But... I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they just do things. Just, I don't know. Here, LeBron 2010 all over again. Here we go. Boston and Cleveland, Eastern Conference Finals. Going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And his team, he's carrying his team on his shoulders by himself. So I'd be very curious to see how this plays out. Um, I mean, I won't be shocked if they lose, and I won't be shocked if they win. I'm I, I'm kind of at a toss up, honestly. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I don't think he's going to leave. I'm just going to throw that out there. I there was so much backlash the last time he left, and 
he's from this area, you know, his home's in Akron. Um, his, I heard some interesting conversation yesterday around, does he want to tarnish his legacy, even though he's not getting rings? He did what he said he was going to do in Cleveland. He was going to bring them a championship, and he did that. So I think that now that that's behind him, he accomplished that. That's all he promised was a championship. He didn't promise multiple ones. That's right. He just promised the one. And he's this is his 15th year in the league? Yeah, I believe so. So, I mean, he is an unreal physical specimen, freak, whatever. But, you know, theoretically he might pay five more years. Most guys, you know, they're done at 20. And then the, the interesting part of the conversation was by the time he reaches his 20th season, his oldest son is probably going to be coming into the league. So, you know, he he's not going to want to um, ramp up any hate for the LeBron James name when his son's coming into the league to start out <laughs> as a rookie. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like the last time he left, he did it in a way that just insulted everybody that was here. You know, all everyone who was here and supported him felt slighted by the way that he left. And I hate how he doesn't do himself any favors by trying to maintain control. Because, you know, if he came out and said, yeah, I'm staying here, I'll be here till I retire, and he said that now, then you're more likely to recruit free agents. Right. You know, people who wouldn't normally pick Cleveland, but because LeBron's here, they'll pick Cleveland. And so it's kind of frustrating on that in that way because, you know, you kind of leave yourself open to the, to those those gaps, you know, like you could have a guy who's like, well, I'm not, I'm just, I want to be somewhere and I'm going to hurry up and figure this out. And, you know, LeBron's taking too long and whatever. Uh, and then you have LeBron just, he's holding Gilbert to the fire by mm-hmm. not telling him what he's going to do, which, I mean, I, I do understand why he does it. I get it. But at the same time, I feel like it kind of hurts you from a basketball perspective. And it's more of a personal gain that you have to do this. And so that that's kind of frustrating um, I think the Cavs and, and the front office have shown LeBron that they're they're willing to do anything to get anybody here that they can. I mean, they brought him Kevin Love right mm-hmm. away when he came back. Like, within weeks, we had Kevin Love on our roster um, trading Andrew Wiggins away. And right. so it's just really it's really frustrating from that regard to, to, to have him holding us, like, you know, kind of for ransom. And then if he leaves... You're kind of like you put the Cavs in a weird situation because they don't feel like they can go all in on you. Like they would make different moves if they knew that you were going to be here next season. They might hire. They might have traded away younger talent and pulled in an older veteran who may or may not be you know right in the middle of their prime or maybe just coming down from their prime to play with LeBron. But mm-hmm. knowing that they're not going to be a long term solution here in Cleveland and giving away some of that younger talent uh, just to make sure that they have. Uh, they can win now, right? But when he does this, that forces them to kind of stay somewhat young and flexible and not get rid of some of their draft picks or, or lottery picks and, and not trade those things away or those assets that they hold. Because if LeBron leaves, then they're left, you know, mm-hmm. with their pants down. So the, yeah. it's frustrating because you, you're kind of screwing yourself in a way. It, I, I, that's what I don't understand. I mean, unless behind the scenes he's telling people what's really going on and the media just doesn't know and doesn't report on it. Mm-hmm. But I find that hard to believe. I, I think he really is as secretive as as everyone says he is. 
Yeah, I think he is too. And you brought up an interesting point there too about um, trading Wiggins away right away to get Kevin Love. I, I think Wiggins was their um, wasn't he the last time they had a draft pick where they could pick it the first pick? I, I don't think they had any draft picks last season, and there was some talk about them, you know, finally being back in the draft lottery coming up here. And what happens if they draw first pick yeah. in the lottery? You yeah. know, what's what's LeBron going to do then? Yeah, uh, yeah, they they picked Wiggins number one, I believe, um, and then yeah, they I believe they had traded away some picks and got in the lottery, and then they and and or traded some players and got in the lottery at some point from somebody. I don't know if it was from I don't think it was their own lottery pick, and then they got Wiggins. LeBron said he was coming back. They traded Wiggins and brought Kevin Love in. And mm-hmm. so it, and they, you know, the front office has only shown that they're willing to do whatever it takes. But the other thing is, LeBron seemed to really like David Griffin, and for some reason, Dan Gilbert and Griffin didn't get along, and Griffin was ousted, which is kind of frustrating because he was, he architected the championship roster. Yeah, he was the mastermind. And so you just like let that guy go, and I think it was all over how to handle Kyrie Irving. So. Thanks, Kyrie. Jerk. Yeah. He fucked us in more ways than one. He also hit the game winner in Game 7. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so it's a love-hate relationship with Kyrie. Yeah, I don't mind him. I mean, whatever. We're, we're still competing for championships. We won a championship, which we hadn't done over 50 years in Cleveland. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to cry about it at this point. Like, you know... LeBron brought a championship to Cleveland. Kyrie was part of that and then decided he didn't want to be here anymore. Um, you know, and, I, and no one knows except for Kyrie and the rest of the Cavs what that situation was really like. And maybe he was having a hell of a time here and maybe he just didn't like playing with LeBron. And LeBron was too demanding or they didn't agree with each other. It happens all the time in the workplace. Like think about your own personal workplace. You know, you, we've left, we both left the same company because we didn't like it. It was just. It was a good company. They were solid. They were reliable, but you know they just didn't fit with us. You and I didn't like it. You know we were out. See ya. And so I can see Kyrie having that same mentality. Yeah, I I completely agree. So and Kyrie is a he's a max contract player. He's he he should be able to. I mean it, it's just like anybody in the workplace. You choose where you work and. I, I I don't understand a lot of the hatred for him wanting to leave because I mean at the end of the day it's his it's his right if he if he can go to another team get a max contract and be the number one guy that I'm sure that's what all those guys want so yeah you got to cut him a little slack to be the man you got to beat the man that's absolutely right words of a prophet <laughs> <laughs> or Ric Flair. <laughs> So, transitioning on to something else. Um, so, I was—I've uh, been listening to a lot of uh, tech podcasts. I listen to a lot of Apple podcasts, but just tech in general, a lot of times. And Google had their Google I/O event uh, this this past week, which is like a weekly developers conference for Google's Android platform. Mm-hmm. And they had um, they had done some pretty cool stuff, um, which I'm kind of jealous, but. They they focused a lot on AI and Google Assistant, and we, I think we can all agree out of all of the assistants that Google's assistant is 
is pretty good. And Alexa's right there. And I probably just set off mine. Hmm. I don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so Siri is completely awful and Google is just showing, you know, they're paving the way for the future here. And they did something pretty cool, which I wanted to play the sound clip from IO and it, it's their CEO. Um, and he's talking about, um, basically describing what they're going to be able to do. It's a couple minute clip, but just bear with me here. The progress with the assistant. As I said earlier, our vision for our assistant is to help you get things done. It turns out a big part of getting things done is making a phone call. You may want to get an oil change schedule, maybe call a plumber in the middle of the week, or even schedule a haircut appointment. You know, we are working hard to help users through those moments. We want to connect users to businesses in a good way. Businesses actually rely a lot on this, but even in the U.S., 60% of small businesses don't have an online booking system set up. We think AI can help with this problem. So let's go back to this example. Let's say you want to ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So he's showing on the screen there that you just ask your Google Assistant, you know, hey, can you make me a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon? And then the assistant responds, you know, no problem, I'll make the appointment for you. So just like when you have a conversation with your phone and you just say, you know, hey, whatever your device is, and then you talk to it, that's what you're doing here. So you're just talking to your phone like that, and then he's going to go on to describe the rest. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. So you hear that phone call. So this is a real salon. And then that last voice you heard was the Google assistant. It sounds Mm -hmm. incredibly real. So continue listening. Check it out. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure. Give me one second. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Sure. What time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Yeah, so the assistant goes and makes that whole phone call, schedules the appointment, has a back and forth with a real person on the other end of the phone, and they have no idea they're talking to a robot. That is completely insane. And that's the first time I heard that. Yeah, the rea- the the real AI voice tone is just unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's so many things going on there that are just incredible feats of technology. But the first is the voice. I mean, it sounds like a real, regular human being talking to somebody else. You can kind of hear it's a little tiny bit robotic, but not much. Not enough that you would pick that up on the phone. No. 
and no, then <clears throat> no, go ahead. No, it's unbelievable. <laughs> the, the, I think the sky's the limit with that. Something like that, especially if you have that tapped into your calendar and it's making all your phone calls for you. Because complete to be completely honest, the thing I hate the most is talking on the phone, no matter who it is. Yeah, this was <laughs> clearly written by a bunch of tech nerds and and introverts who who hate talking to people. Because I'm one of those people. I hate making phone calls. Absolutely hate it. But the the question it was kind of funny because you know I was listening to this from um, a lot of the point of view of, of Apple people people who who are all all in on Apple and I'm I'm one of those people and they kept saying that this is an ethical problem because the person on the other end of the phone does not know that they're talking to a robot and there's no reason that it shouldn't identify itself as a robot before you know talking to a human being on the other end and then they kept bringing up the whole what if you call and then they say something that the robot doesn't understand or doesn't know how to interpret it. Then what happens? And then what do they do with it? And, um, you know, I mean, those are interesting points, but at the same time, I, I'm not really that worried about it. I thought they were kind of making a bigger deal out of it than, than is necessary. I think this is pretty cool. No, I think it's really cool. And honestly, what difference does it make if it's, if you're, no, the robot's not, exploiting you in any way is it's doing your daily tasks what, i think that's what they were worried about was that it would be able to do things that on your behalf that you didn't necessarily agree to because it's basically going down branches of logic that you didn't that you don't necessarily know you're not you're not listening to this phone call this happens without you you just tell it hey make me a haircut and then it does yeah but yeah i don't know I don't see it as unethical. You're telling it what to do, and it's doing it. So you agree to it making the phone call. So Yeah, well, I think they, they come at it I'll, not just from the end user's perspective, but from the person receiving the phone call. So mm -hmm. they, you know, that robot didn't identify itself as, like, Google Assistant. It didn't say anything about that. So that person thought she was talking to another real person on the other end. So you could, I mean, theoretically, you could get really malicious with this thing if you wanted to. I mean, depending on what kind of controls are in place. Um, and this is something Elon Musk talks about a lot. Um, he he talks a lot about AI and how we're going down a really dark rabbit hole. And Elon has more to gain from this than most people. Um, you mm -hmm. know, he, he runs Tesla, the boring company. You know, all these other things he does, he's super intelligent, and he's the one out there saying, guys, we got to really take a good, deep look at what we're doing with AI because we don't want it to get out of hand. Because there's a real concern that we create robots, and they're smart enough to fix themselves and make themselves better, and then we start phasing ourselves out of things. Mm -hmm. And so it gets to be really interesting when you start like going down, <laughs> you get really into the into the weeds with this. Yeah. So what you're saying is the Terminator movies could come to life absolutely in our lifetime for real. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if he, it, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how much I buy into a lot of that stuff, but I mean, you definitely could get into a situation where the vast majority of people alive don't have a job because AI's doing it. Yeah. But that's the company that I work for, that's one of the biggest initiatives that we have right now is automating complete automation of process. And it's a good thing because it takes out the human error, you know, side of things because it is a financial industry and, 
you know, the last thing you want is cu- customers being pissed off because somebody incorrectly coded, you know, a payment or whatever, and it took out more money of their account than it should have. So there's a lot, there's a huge push to automate a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And we actually have an AI department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's great. It's great. Like it has a lot of benefits, but it also has some interesting, you know, bad things about it too. Because, like, something I heard just yesterday was that Nine Inch Nails is is going to have a new tour coming out, and mm-hmm. Trent Reznor said that as part of that, they are going to only sell tickets at the box office for a period of time because the AI, the bots go out and buy up all the good tickets and then these ticket brokers then resell all your tickets for a huge markup and service fees and this and that. So your $50 ticket turns into $150 really fast. And um, people have been bitching and complaining about that forever and I'm one of them. I can't stand that. It drives me absolutely insane that these bots can go out and buy tickets for an event and then you know even a $99 ticket, that's an expensive ticket, right? I mean, but yeah. it's still reasonable. Like, you know, if you, like, I don't know about you, but having kids and everything, like, when I go to a show, I want to go to the show, like, the best possible way I can within reason. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for instance, the Foo Fighters are coming to Blossom in July. So I wanted to be there, and I want to be as close as possible. And you and I were talking about this because you bought tickets, too. Um, yeah. I waited, and I I sat there and waited and picked the exact seat that I wanted, but it was a royal pain in the butt. As I was on the website trying to buy tickets, they were constantly coming and going and coming and going because the bots were out there reserving tickets, but they weren't buying all the tickets. So if you'd refresh the page one minute, you'd have a set, and then the next minute they'd be gone. Right. And it's not just the people who are – especially when you start getting the more expensive seats. Like the, the less expensive ones sell out fast because people are willing to go, and they're like, I just want to be there. you know. And I remember you know, before I was in the situation I am now, I was in that position where – I just wanted to be at a show. I'd buy. I'd buy a ticket like towards the back just to be there. I didn't care, you know. So it was what I could afford. But now I can afford more, so I want a better ticket. I want to be up front. So, you know, I'm up there trying to get a good seat, and and they're going constantly coming and going, and it's these bots that go out there and reserve tickets, and then they don't for some reason finish the transaction. But then if you go back and look, like within twenty thirty minutes of a, a big show going on sale. Oh, that's weird. StubHub suddenly has all these tickets for sale, and that ninety-nine dollar yeah. ticket is now a base price of one hundred and fifty dollars plus all the service fees and tax, and then you're out the door at two hundred dollars a ticket. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought this up because I'm gonna I'm gonna rave here a little bit and rant. Um, it was last year or the year before there was a class action lawsuit that was settled by Ticketmaster, you know, for. I don't know if it was for frivolous service fees or charges on tickets or whatnot, but for those people who had bought, you know, historically a lot of tickets through Ticketmaster and had accounts set up with them, um, after the class action lawsuit was settled, they issued, you know, up to, I think, 13 pair of ticket vouchers, you know, for basically to go to a show for free. Well, we used... Um, one of those vouchers last year for the first time, you know, you're, you're going to get lawn seats, you're going to get the cheap seats, but who cares? It's free. Right. right. Yep. So a couple weeks ago, and I think Ticketmaster and Live Nation, they're one's a subsidiary of another, or they're tied in 
closely together or whatnot, but whatever. Yeah. Yep. They they released a a ton of shows, you know, for this upcoming concert season and they released the tickets at a twenty dollar flat fee. So basically what you're doing was no matter what show it was, if there was a lawn ticket available, you could get it for twenty bucks, didn't matter who it was. They mm-hmm. they boasted it as this, you know, this huge deal. But what's happened is they haven't released the voucher schedule for 2018 yet, and I think that they were trying to sell as many of those lawn seats as they could for 20 bucks before they had to turn around and give them away for free because they still didn't sell. Oh, yeah. Yep. They're just trying to get rid of the, the leftovers. Yeah. And still make money on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's insane. Like, the, the ticket... The ticket industry, like how they run these things for their shows is just absolutely insane. Everyone's trying to get in and get a cut of the money. And automation has made this a major cluster. And so it's really frustrating when you try and go buy a ticket that you see for a show marked at X price. And then you come in and it's double. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what the hell? Like, Service fees, convenience fee. It's not very convenient that I'm a getting raped by you, and b that I my ticket is now double the price. I'm gonna rape you, says <laughs> Ticketmaster. Exactly. <laughs> exactly so, and another example of that, um, I'm 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 a big fan of most genres of music, and um, Slayer's doing their farewell tour this year, and there's a couple other acts on that ticket that I would have liked to have seen at Blossom. Um, when they did their pre-sales, um, th- there wasn't a lot of buzz around it, so I, I don't think people were going out there, you know, scooping up tickets with bots or whatever through the first couple pre-sales. I actually had an opportunity to buy tickets in the front row of, you know, that first section down there, right behind the pit. Oh yeah, Perfect yep. Seats. That's like, that's like club level seats anywhere i could have picked them up for 95 bucks a seat but after they went to general admission and then the ticket bots started sweeping in and picking everything up those same exact seats were like 350 bucks a piece yeah it's it's absolutely ludicrous i i i don't understand it it it's incredibly ridiculous and it's you would think that the venues and the bands would not stand for this that they would be doing more, which Trent Reznor is trying to do. I, I love this. I absolutely love this 100% because this is something I've been complaining about for years. It's like, I, I like the convenience. I don't mind paying an extra fee if I'm using a service that's online versus going to the actual physical location and buying a ticket because you know a lot of these things are in Cleveland and I'm not going to drive up to Cleveland to go buy a ticket unless you could it's, get it at a, a ticket master that's in, in the mall somewhere. They used to be, but they're not now or very few of them exist anymore. I don't even know where you would go. Right. But, I yeah. To, I used to have to go to Bueller's to get my Ticketmaster tickets way back in the WWF days. Bueller's? <laughs> like the grocery store? Yeah, Bueller's had, <laughs> way back when, they had a Ticketmaster um, ticket selling machine there. Wow. It, this was before online. This was, be- I mean, you could still phone it in, I think, but that was a joke. But yeah, used to go stand in line at Bueller's, I the supermarket. <laughs> I don't think I've ever stood in line for a ticket to buy one in my life. I, I think I missed that by just maybe two to three years. 
the the first show I ever went to, somebody already had the tickets for, and they invited me. And then the next one, my mom bought my sister and I tickets to go see Queens of the Stone Age and the Chili Peppers at Blossom. Mm-hmm. And she bought those online. And I don't ever think I went to a physical Ticketmaster location to to get a ticket. I only did it. I only did it two times when I was younger because I, you know, obviously had to drag my had to drag my mom along to to pay for the tickets or whatever. But the first one I stood in line for was the very first Survivor Series at the old Richfield Coliseum. <laughs> go see that. Oh yeah, that tells you how fucking old I am. If you, anybody listening looks up to see what year that was, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't driving yet, but I was damn close. Um, <laughs> and uh, we went to watch one of the uh, the watch parties for WrestleMania at Richfield as well. And we stood in line for those tickets. They had a ginormous, you know, satellite feed TV at Richfield, kind of like what they do for Cavs and Indians watch parties now. Oh so, really? I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was way cheaper than, you know, going to WrestleMania. And obviously WrestleMania was never, I don't think it was ever at Richfield. It was always at these huge venues, but they would, they would, they would cast it, do a satellite feed to Richfield on a giant screen. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember them ever. I don't think they've ever had a WrestleMania in this area. They come here a lot though. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm actually surprised by the amount of times they come through Northeast Ohio. They, they come through frequently for all their shows. Yeah. Quicken Loans is the perfect venue for a Monday Night Raw. It is. It is. It's the right amount of seats. It's the right size. (laughs) It's it's perfect. And and you have the right amount of hillbillies willing to go support it. Yeah. I'm one of those hillbillies. I've been ringside for one of them. I got lucky one time online and scored ringside seats for a Raw that was in was in actually it was down at Nationwide in Columbus, but I was ringside. Wow. Yeah. I mean as (laughs) As queer as wrestling really is, like when you boil it down, it's still pretty funny to watch. Like I don't know, I it entertains me. And if you look at it for that, like then you're ha- it's a good time. You know, it, yeah. it's just silly entertainment. And you know, back in the '90s when I really actually was into it and I was younger, um, and they had like the whole Stone Cold thing and The Rock and everything. I mean, it was just it was super entertaining. Like I went back and watched a lot of old stuff recently, and it. It still holds up. It's still entertaining. Uh, watching uh, the Hell in the Cell with Mick Foley and the Undertaker, and and the yeah. Undertaker chucks Foley off the top of a of the cell, and he lands on a table. And I mean, yeah, it's fake, but that dude got messed up. He fell like eighteen or twenty feet off the top of this cage onto a table, which, by the way, mm-hmm. does have like real monitors in it, like TV monitors. And back then, they were those like giant. They're like those rectangular shaped TVs and they're all metal and they probably weighed like 60 pounds a piece. I mean, those dudes were nuts and it was awesome just for that alone. Yeah, there's no reason today that Mick Foley shouldn't be dead for some of the stuff he did because, yeah, it is entertainment and most of it is – I mean, it's all scripted. Most of the the bombs that they take are – are fake they're not actually hitting them but some of that extreme shit that they do they do get hurt that's why mick foley doesn't have all of his teeth and is missing an ear <laughs> i mean i rest my case exactly that's right yeah i i agree i mean like 
in that same match, so so Taker throws him off the top of the cage like in the first like two minutes of the match, and and he and he goes through this table and he is jacked up, and you can tell. Mm-hmm. And then the the paramedics actually come out and start trying to take him away, and he gets off the stretcher and goes back into the ring and is like, "I'm going to do this still," and he definitely had a concussion, and I yeah. think he separated his shoulder when he hit the table, and then he goes mm-hmm. back inside the ring. And he dumps a bunch of thumbtacks on the ground, and then takes like a <laughs> takes a power bomb on some thumbtacks or a choke slam or something. And I mean, yeah. he just like just keeps going back for more. He's like a glutton for punishment. And yeah, it's it's scripted and it's fake, but it's not fake in a way, you know. And and back then they were really pushing the envelope, so it was even even more ridiculous, you know, than than it probably is now. I, I watched a little bit of today's product, and it's not very good, but you know, back then it was it was something else. Yeah, and I, I I dug it up on YouTube somewhere where <clears throat> I actually watched the match where he cut his ear off in the ring, and what had happened, and I can't remember who his opponent was. If it, this was way back when when oh, he was in, was this in Japan? I think it was in Japan, and he was still in the Extreme League. Yeah, was he with you uh, in its early days? Jimmy Snuka or something, or. It was either Jimmy Snuka or Terry Funk. I don't remember. Oh, it was was Terry Funk. Those two used to do hardcore matches all the time. Yeah, but it was scripted to where he he would do the classic, get flung into the ropes, head over heels, and then the the top rope and the middle rope would put him in a headlock, basically look like it was hanging him or choking him. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if he did one extra spin or whoever set up the ring didn't set up the tension correct on the cables but it was extra tight and it was actually hanging him i mean he was actually being choked to death and the only way out i mean you panicked and he pulled his head out between the ropes and it ripped his freaking ear off because it was either rip his ear off or die because he was hanging there yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it it was completely crazy like that dude was he was just nuts just absolutely nuts and he finished the match like you said he ripped his flipping ear off and i don't even know if he knew it because of adrenaline and you know he's like hey i just about died because i was hanging there but he finished that match even after that happened yeah he's he's crazy (laughs) i got a i pulled this up on uh on the internet here See if you can just listen to this when he gets thrown off the top of the cage. So it's a minute 44 into the match. That includes the, the intro music and everything and all that whole rigmarole. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, my God. killed him <laughs> but did you hear i mean you hear that table just crunch and that's him just going through i think they're probably gonna they might replay it here he's laying on the ground the table is completely shattered that he landed on yeah i mean he just went straight through and he jim ross <laughs> i think it killed him yeah well you can hear like you said they picked up the audio from the monitor under the table it's like he hit the monitor just as hard as he hit the table. Oh, I know. I mean, he just, he, uh, that guy, he's something else. Some people have no threshold of pain, and that's one guy. That's unbelievable. Yeah, he was willing to do anything he could for for the company. It was that was just, it was a great time. I mean, like like we said, like wrestling was so fake, and 
and goofy, but then you start watching this stuff and like the stuff mm-hmm. that they were doing stunts wise. I mean, it was like watching Jackass. Like, oh yeah, you know what I mean. And and so it was really, really good. And it was fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I'll pass on that sports entertainment side of things. I don't want to get thrown twenty feet from the table. <laughs> no, I'm not not about that at all. So, the last thing I wanted to talk about was. I came across this interesting story of this woman in Arizona. She she was charged for um, for stalking, mm-hmm. and so you know you think, okay, what was she doing? Oh, she just sent uh, this dude sixty five thousand text messages, <laughs> and sometimes up to five hundred per day. And uh, so, I mean, this woman like her photo in the story she just looks like a complete psychopath but she she uh i guess she met this guy online and they went on a on a date i believe it was just one date and uh so she 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 just keeps texting this dude and he wants nothing to do with her so he he calls the cops finally and and they come and 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 arrest her for stalking and after that she still sends him more text messages indicating that harm may come and some of the texts said that she wanted to wear his body parts and bathe in his blood quote don't ever try to leave me i'll kill you i don't want to be a murderer so i mean like what is wrong with you that you have to send sixty-five thousand text messages to to somebody who clearly doesn't want anything to do with you that you've only met once Holy cow. Yeah! Tonight! <laughs> I'm going to rape you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it sounds like she needs a Google Assistant to help with those 65,000 texts. That's she where AI stuff. could go bad. Can you imagine telling your assistant <laughs> to keep texting this person? And then, I mean, you could get millions of text messages. Hey, Bixby, stalk this guy for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Might just uh, get nude. <laughs> uh, I mean, I couldn't believe this. I was just reading this like it just sounds made up, but it's a it's an ABC News article. I wow. Some people are just legitimately fucking nuts, and I don't know how else to say it. Just fucking crazy. I. It's all about the people you surround yourself with, man. Yeah, I mean, she wants to bathing the guy's blood so it sounds like it's part of a cult or something uh i don't know what's wrong with this like i mean my thumbs would be sore sending that many text messages yeah like could you well, imagine like actually i mean think about this dude like do you think you've even sent sixty-five thousand text messages since you've been able to text message mm. I don't know. I was texting way back when we had analog phones and we had to do the one 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 two 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 three 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 shit. T nine so, man. T nine. Maybe. <laughs> That's that that uh where you, yeah, you have the A B C D E F you yep. know. Yeah, T nine texting, yeah. I mean I did too, but think about that. Like sixty five thousand text messages. That is do you think you, how many do you think you send them in a year? If she was stalking a dude, I bet she did. I mean, I'm just talking about you, you and I, how many messages do you think you physically could send? I I can't fathom sending 65,000 text messages. That's so many messages. Yeah. 
I, I would be lucky to send a thousand a year if I had to guess. That's what I'm. I mean, that is an astronomical amount of texting. I mean, like I said, her thumbs have to be so strong. Yeah, either that or she's leveraging the uh, talk to text. I mean, I'm a <laughs> offender of that, but the spelling is always shitty or it doesn't recognize my voice. Hey, but assistant can make a phone call to a human. Yeah. <laughs> Set you up with a haircut. That's right. I don't know what kind of haircut I'm going to get. Come back with a it. with a high top. Yeah, and I don't know why everybody digs on Siri. I mean, it's so realistic sounding and stuff. And the other day, I mean, uh, to buffer to uh, preface this story, I ate a huge bowl of Fruit Loops. Hey, <laughs> I I go and take a dump, and I have this ginormous green turd, and I'm like, "Hey Siri, why was my turd green?" Because you are a disgusting fat body who eats like shit. <laughs> the cereal on my phone starts answering. <laughs> but <laughs> I am a disgusting fat body who eats like shit. Thank you, Siri. Fruit Loops, man. <laughs> Does the body good? The first ingredient is whole grain. It's right on the box, damn it. That's right. <laughs> Oh, God, so good. That is really funny. Yeah, I don't think I've eaten food that turns my my poop green in a long time, besides lettuce. Yeah, or way too much spinach. Well, lettuce is off the... Uh, Chipotle ain't even serving lettuce right now. I don't know if they've got past that um, <clears throat> new E. coli scare. Every week. Every week, man. I, I, that's we had a, we just threw away a bunch of romaine, not that long ago when this came out. It, I don't know why, but for some reason romaine always seems to be tainted. Mm-hmm. That's. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know what could be causing it. I don't know if it's what they're spraying on the stuff to kill the bugs or. I got a big brown dog barking at my back door. That's what's causing it. <laughs> That probably is. Those workers taking a dump out in the field. Yeah. Wiping their ass with that romaine. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, that's like, I was reading, um, I was reading an article about, uh, food poisoning and it was, uh, like a health inspector and it was like what they won't eat at restaurants or something that they try to avoid. And most of it was like the salad bar, lettuce, like all the like vegetables, they're like yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We stay away from vegetables at the restaurants because those are the things that are mostly contaminated. Wow. Yeah. There has to be a correlation there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. it's cheap labor, illegal immigrants working mm-hmm. in the fields. They get paid nothing. They don't care, and just drop a deuce right on your uh, your cabbage, mm-hmm. and then it comes direct to your store. That's a, that's organic fertilization, man. That's right. It is organic, but it's disgusting. Yeah. That's one thing that we do with all of our produce and fruit. Every It doesn't matter if we buy it at a Whole Foods market or we buy it at the grocery store. We always soak it in vinegar to kill all that shit, hopefully. So knock on wood, we haven't been sick in a while. Yeah, we do that a lot, too. Um I don't know how much that's, that's totally effective, but it's definitely one more step 
uh, yeah. against trying not to get sick from the stuff at the store. I don't know. Just grow your own. Shit your own flower beds. Yeah, that's right. I haven't had a good case of E. coli in a while, though, so I could use a good toll and detox. <laughs> yeah. That was, that. Yeah, that's a weight loss program right there. Yeah, sounded like you just lost three pounds. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Yeah, well, I think uh, that's about it for today. So yeah, um, you know, don't forget to uh, rate us in iTunes, guys. We need some some five-star ratings out there so you can get some good quality audio like that or that you know these gems they don't they don't just come natural high quality for sure that's right so don't forget to subscribe follow us on twitter at podwhackers we'll be more active here soon get the website up and running get some good content out there um you know, I was hoping my personal goal was by about episode 10, we'd be good to go. Um, and everything would be smooth sailing from there. So I think so far we're on the right trajectory. Yeah, I think we're tracking in the right direction. Excellent. And next next week, just as an FYI, I'll be out of town, but the uh, we may have to test the uh, the Skype over mobile next saturday if i'm not too hungover yeah that's right you're doing rock on the range i am so so an early saturday morning might be rough next weekend but we'll see what we can do yeah. together what's the big draw for that who, who are you going to see um the big draw friday night is allison chains they're the headliner for friday night you're gonna have to forgive me because i forget who the headliner is for saturday night but i know the <clears throat> the band that's wrapping it up on Sunday night for the whole thing is Tool, so so you're there for Tool, basically. Yeah, get to, get to uh, see the Maynard. I'm just checking right now. Friday, yeah, Saturday, Avenge Sevenfold and Stone Sour. How is Avenge Sevenfold the headliner over Stone Sour? Yeah, I don't know. They they really like Avenge Sevenfold on that that tour. I mean, they've been there several times, but I don't I don't know why they have them headlining main stage saturday night hey man you can go check out chad zumach at the rolling rock comedy tent that's a good thing i should go heckle him and try to get some footage of me heckling zumach you should that'd be good i got such be. a douche i don't I, I do not like him no i don't either he was a douche when he was on the afternoon show in cleveland so yeah not much has changed <laughs> I haven't listened to him since then, so I couldn't tell you. I actually saw him going on a Twitter storm not that long ago. Uh, a tweet storm, I should say, on Twitter mm-hmm. about uh, someone was giving him a bunch of shit about the radio, and he was running his mouth about uh, Rover's Morning Glory or something. I don't know. It was it was pretty funny, but it wasn't funny because of him. It was just funny because of the the story. Right. But yeah, I don't know. He's I don't find him funny at all. He was horrible on the radio. Yeah. 
but hey, what do I know? I and just hey, Zonic, if you ever listen to our podcast, you need to uh, wear a Walmart bag fashioned into a sweater vest and pull it over your head. Do everybody a favor. 